Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. Hey, I'm Christian Sager. Christian, what comes to mind when I mention the word spike, when I mention spite as a uh, as an aspect of, of human behavior? Well, the very first thing I thought of when we started talking about doing this episode is a scene in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And Khan, spoilers for a movie that's like 30 years old, mm-hmm. uh, when Khan is uh, dying, but he decides that he's going to you know, take himself out along with uh, the Enterprise. And he recites the whole speech, Captain Ahab's speech, oh, yes. from Moby Dick, which, you know, the two parallel pretty well together. So I think of uh, Khan Noonien Singh when I think of spite. Okay. Well, yeah, I think I think Khan is definitely a very spiteful character because ultimately he ends up in a situation where he can't win. Right. And he could bow out gracefully, but Khan's not going to do that. Right. There's too much pride. There's too much ego there. Uh, he's he's laying it all on the line. So he'd rather he'd rather strike back and perish and get like just just to you know raise the middle finger to Kirk rather than uh, than just go out. Yeah. This is definitely the core of trying to figure out spite. Not not just like. Uh, how it works psychologically in our human minds, but mm-hmm. also like our definition of it. When you go and you look it up on the dictionary, it doesn't really include the, the uh, encapsulate how we think of it, right? Yeah, because uh, some of the studies that we get into, uh, well, one in particular, um, 
talks about, talks about spite and says, in general, spite differs from aggression, which can be exercised at little risk to an aggressor. Spite carries a cost, as if one were calculating that a loss is worthwhile if it takes a toll on one's opponent as well. But you don't necessarily see that in you know your standard Webster's Dictionary. Uh, right, yeah. So the idea here is that you are willing to hurt yourself at the expense of being able to hurt someone else. Right. And that hurt is not necessarily physical. Like the, right. the most extreme example that comes to a lot of people's minds, I'm sure, is something like a suicide bomber. Yeah. You know, where they're, they're saying, I will die violently in this cause to cause harm to others. But then also something, you know, spite that we've all probably experienced uh, on one side or the other. Uh, if you've ever taken your time pulling out of a parking spot, because you don't like <laughs> right. the look of that car or that driver that's waiting on it. Maybe they're being a little rude. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, the, the cost is not nearly as high as losing your life, but you are willing to look a little bit like a jerk in order to make sure that person gets what's coming to them. Yeah, it, um, so it makes me think of like methods of conflict management, and mm-hmm. uh, there's there's several different ways that you can manage conflict. But this would be what's called the competitive method of conflict management, right? Where you're basically competing against another person to win in yeah. the conflict, right? And in this situation, you're not even winning. It's a it's a lose lose. Yeah, anyway, everybody loses. Yeah, like actually, your whole reason, your whole goal here in leaving the parking lot is to leave the parking lot and presumably get where you're going next uh, in the shortest amount of time right. uh, that's required. Yeah. So you're. You're hurting your own objectives. You're, you're looking like a jerk doing it. There's really no benefit other than you feel that, you know, that ego stroke and some sort of deep animalistic, yeah. um, pride in having, you know, put one over on the next guy. It's not an effective method of problem solving. That's for sure. But it's something that I think is within all of us. Uh, I, I have to admit that as we were, researching this, I was really digging deep inside myself, trying to remember examples where I'd been spiteful. And I, and I, couldn't really uh, yeah I, I and and i'm sure i have been I'm even not, the, even the mild stuff like driving around the only uh yeah i'm i am an angry driver mm-hmm. but not a spiteful driver I, I so no i can't okay. think of it wouldn't be like that but um i the only thing i could think of it in, as like a practical example of is if there's somebody who i personally don't like I won't, and I won't support their work, like mm-hmm. whether it's a book that they wrote or a film that they produced or acted in or whatever. Uh, e- no, even if people are like, you have to see this. It is the best thing ever. You, you know, it's going to change your life. It's, it's the, the, the best storytelling. And I go, nope, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to give that person my 10 bucks. Okay. Well, then the cost there could be. My own edification. Yes. Yeah, well, you, you're in your mess and you're missing out on. The potential joys of this product because yeah. of the um, the vendetta, if you will. Well, what it reminds me of is uh, you ever read the police blotter in Creative Loafing here in yeah, Atlanta? Yeah. I think that they have this in a lot of alt weeklies ar- around the world, but here in Atlanta, our alt weekly does this thing where they take. I don't know. Every week, there's like maybe five or six little snippets out of the actual Atlanta Police Department's log, uh, and of just the craziest stories. And almost always, every week, there's one story that involves spite in some way. Somebody who's doing something illegal or something to hurt another person that mm-hmm. ultimately ends up getting them arrested. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, and they're always cr- completely whacked out crazy stories. Uh, 
some of my favorites involve just like, you know, people, uh, where half naked scrambling down the streets and screaming in the middle of the night. But, uh, that's not exactly spiteful. That's just, you know, crazy. Yeah. I and mean, you certainly see it show up to at times with police encounters where someone, uh, decides that the best thing they can, they can do during this encounter is to be spiteful to the, the officer. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting thing that it, it brings out. Law enforcement seems to bring spite out mm-hmm. in people. And on reason. both sides. I mean, mm-hmm. not, not to imply there's, there's, there's never some spite from the, oh, uh, the police. No, no, right? absolutely. Um, so, okay, let's, let's have some fun with this for a second. Okay. So, uh, Dungeons and Dragons alignment chart, you know, for those of you out there, you know that Robert and I are, are, are really into geeky stuff like this. So, uh, what is, uh, where's spite fall? I'm thinking it's neutral evil. Hmm. It's not necessarily chaotic. There's, there, it, it, there's determination to it. Obviously it doesn't follow a rule oriented, uh, you know, practice. Yeah, I think lawful evil is probably where most of your spite is going to fall. But, okay, but uh, and, and in that we, you know, we definitely have to think about some of the the spiteful characters we've encountered in things. Like like when I was trying to think of some, in addition to Ahab and Khan, yeah. Cersei Lannister comes to mind from yeah. Game of Thrones as being right. a very spiteful uh, character who, you know. She has some some key values, you know, the importance of her family and the importance of her family. Mm-hmm. But she's often willing to jeopardize all of it out of spite for. Uh, an enemy or a perceived enemy. So, if, where would where would Cersei land in the the Dungeons and Dragons alignment chart? Is yeah, she that's lawful evil? I guess you. Yeah, I guess you would yeah. have to say she's lawful evil. Uh, she because she works within the I guess uh, system of rule. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Another one that came to mind, and this one's a much harder one to nail down because there's you know a lot of. A lot of his motivations are still up for discussion and continue uh, to, you know, to be, to be an item of discussion among uh, critics. But uh, Iago in uh, Shakespeare's Othello. Okay, yeah, I saw this. Rem- Give me a little refresher on this because it's been a while since I've read Othello. Well, basically, Iago is the the character that just works against Othello the whole time. Yeah, and just you know, just ru- really kind of ruthlessly. Um, but you never really have a clear sense why. Like, right. there's not a situation where it's like, oh, Othello killed my father. Or, or you know, the, the, generally it's a, to try and figure out why Iago is so obsessed with taking down Othello, you have to, uh, it, you have to apply some, uh, some outside, um, uh, interpretation, yeah. such as, uh, I think Kenneth Branagh, when he played Iago, he, he had, he approached it as if Iago had feelings for Othello, and so his oh. like his his deep rooted hatred came out of uh, you know inner conflict over his uh, like his the attraction. Like he was him. spurned somehow. Yeah. Okay. So Iago's a harder character to to nail down, but I think there's there's a, a certain amount of spite yeah. to what he does in the play. Yeah. Well, I uh, you know when I was researching this, uh, one thing that I didn't realize was like a a thing was building homes out of spite uh, <laughs> apparently like if you if you just search the word spite mm-hmm. on google uh within at least two or three pages you'll find galleries of homes that were built in spite of their neighbors uh and i didn't realize this was a thing it's like people are purposely building homes to annoy their neighbors that aren't necessarily 
practical or functional homes that they, they themselves enjoy living Are you, in. you're talking just like mildly so because you're always hearing about like oh they're building a modern home and it's out of keeping with the traditional homes in the neighborhood yeah i think it's more along those okay. lines yeah because then you also yeah. see those stories like the guy in england who had a giant shark like embedded in the roof of his house i'm sure that would fall under yeah. this i'm thinking along the lines of like that house in beetlejuice you know like <laughs> like the the weird like postmodern uh, art house that they had there but in that case you know there was no neighborhood in this i think it would be like you know your next door neighbors would would hate you because it would bring down the property values or something like that but this is apparently like like i found multiple galleries of this so apparently it's a phenomenon you know it brings to mind uh i can't remember the character's name offhand but the um the individual that Kevin Spacey portrayed in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Mm, you know, I have never seen that. Ah. My wife loves that movie, but I still haven't seen I it. I remember yeah. it being good, but a New Orleans uh, resident. And uh, if, if I remember correctly, uh, the individual he plays is kind of an eccentric uh, kind of character. Mm-hmm. And um, they were filming uh, some sort of historical piece in his neighborhood. Okay. And they like covered the the streets in dirt, and you know their horses standing around or whatever. And it's kind of a big inconvenience for everybody. And they sure. were going to be shooting potentially with his house in the background because it's one of these nice old uh, homes. And so he uh, he just draped a large Nazi flag, <laughs> you know, swastika and all, right there on the, oh, the front porch uh-huh. out of spite. You know, it's yeah. like oh, you're gonna you yeah. think you're gonna film this neighborhood and film my house as the backdrop? Well, I'm gonna do this, which makes it yeah. completely useless for your shoot and also it also brands makes me, me look as crazy. a Nazi yeah. to my all of my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean that could work for sure. I, I mm, so I, let's get into like the where this saying of because the when we think of spite it's always, you know, that that phrase to cut your nose off to spite your face. So let's oh, think yes. of like where this came from. What where, where is this? Well, it apparently dates back to at least around the 12th century. And uh, it's generally attributed to pious women who are disfiguring themselves in order to protect their virginity against pirates, Vikings, invading armies, etc. Basically wow. just to to try and you know disfigure themselves so that they will be... Uh, looked over when the assaults began. Yeah, I read a little bit about this. Uh, this was not something I knew about before researching this episode. These were uh, mostly women, uh, and this is a common phrase you'll hear me say, during medieval times, mm-hmm. uh, that, um, you know, were so religious that they wanted to preserve their virginity, right? And the idea, I mean, this isn't, when we're talking disfiguring, it's not just like, you know, they give themselves a scar. They were cutting off their own noses, yeah. literally cutting off their mm-hmm. nose, uh, cutting off their cheeks, cutting off their upper lips. Uh, and uh, some of these people actually ended up becoming saints uh, in some sense. So Saint Ebba was one that I found uh, who inspired nuns to cut off their own noses and upper lips to prevent themselves from being raped. Um, and there were a couple others in there as well. But, yeah, this is, that is a practice that I was unfamiliar with. Yeah, I was also reading that uh, it also might be linked to medieval acts of spite in which the okay. nose is cut off as a kind of uh, right. punishment. Um, and and, you, and sadly, you see this kind of thing continue uh, in the world today. Right. In some of the you know, war-torn uh, regions of the world where... Uh, uh, Women are particularly are victimized by having their their nose cut off. Right, the mutilation is yeah. sort of a a marking. Yeah, yeah. And as graphic as that is, though, uh, remember that because when uh, later in the episode we will start to discuss the links between spite and uh, 
and punishment uh, in, in, a, in a lawful system. Yeah, it seems like there's a connection between those things and then altruism as well. It's like, yes. it's like this uh, coin where you've got spite on one side and altruism on the other, and it seems like they're connected uh, in human psychology. So uh, it turns out that there were a, a lot of studies, at least at least four that we found for the, for this episode yeah. on spite and sort of its origins and how it works within human beings and and animals too, right? Yeah, I mean it's apparently you know many uh, researchers consider it to be an understudied area, but uh, but we were able to find some interesting uh, uh, papers about spite and where it comes from and what it means. Uh, the most uh, you know, basic place to start, of course, would be just to ask. Are humans the only spiteful creatures? Is spite possible in any other animal on the planet? And I would think any cat owner would assume uh, that the answer is no, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, you would. Certainly cats seem to do a lot of things out of spite. (laughs) My cat does. Oh, yes. Mine does as well. But, but of course, anytime you're dealing with human interactions, like how much are we projecting on them, right? We're just anthropomorphizing their, Mm -hmm. their, because, you know, they're basically just doing a bunch of stupid stuff. (laughs) And then we just assume, oh, well, you did that to spite me. Why did you get crap on the wall? This is why we like watching videos of them on the internet so much is because they remind us of our own frailties. Yeah. Sadly, the research we're looking at doesn't look at the spiteful cat. Okay. Uh, That would have, I, I would like to read a study uh, looking at spite in felines, but uh, in particular, this was a 2006 study conducted at the Wolfgang Kohler Primate Research Center in Leipzig, Germany, okay. uh, by Max Planck Institute researchers. And uh, yeah, they're looking at chimpanzees, which, of course, is a great place to look because yeah, you want that seems to like the logical the step. model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tired of boring lunches? Picture this: you're at Chipotle ordering the same old burrito bowl, but wait. There's more excitement in store than just guac. Introducing Drop, the ultimate rewards app. Just link your card, dine at your favorite restaurants, and you'll earn points to get free gift cards from tons of brands. It's like getting paid to eat. Hungry for savings? Download the Drop app now and use code DROP44 to kickstart your rewards journey with $5 in points. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. 
If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Before we get into what they found, let's describe the methodology here, because it's a little, I think it's a little complicated, right? So, um, Dr. Kenneth, sorry, Dr. Keith Jensen and his team, they presented the, the chimps that they had in captivity with this choice. By the way, this all sounds like, like a origin film for Planet of the Apes somehow. <laughs> like it, it, it was a little scary. Uh, they gave them the choice to pull one of two ropes. And by pulling these ropes, they would either deliver food to another chimps, chimpanzee or deliver it to an empty room. And I'm assuming, too, that like all of the chimpanzees involved in this can see one another and see these empty rooms. Uh, in either case, the chimpanzee pulling the rope did not receive any food themselves, right? So right. there was they didn't get food themselves, even though they were hungry. So they had a choice to either give the food to the other chimp or uh, send it to an empty room as a spiteful action towards the other chimp. Yeah, and the chimp wants food. It's a hungry chimp. You know? Yeah. Uh, so you can imagine yourself in that in a, in a similar scenario. If you had uh, your, your most favorite meal in the world, you know, let's say it's, I don't know, a deep dish pizza. Okay. And it's right there right there behind the glass. Mm-hmm. You can't eat it. Mm-hmm. You can pull one rope and have it uh, land on a plate for uh, another hungry individual that you don't you know, necessarily know, and they can eat it. Or out of spite, you can just deliver it to an empty room and watch it rot. Yeah. If I can't eat it, then that chimp is definitely not eating it. Right, and you both will sit there uh, mouths watering and hungry and sad. Yeah, I mean, this plays into the, the basic spite principle. If I can't have... X, then nobody will have X, right? So what happened? Well, they expected they were expecting to see some some spite here, okay. but in half the cases, the chimp didn't pull either of the ropes. Yeah, that's interesting to me that they yeah. just decided to to to, to be inert, basically, not yeah. not bother. A quarter of the time they'd pull one rope, a quarter of the time they'd pull the other, but mostly they didn't even bother. They they ended up not showing altruism by. Delivering the yeah. food to the uh, the hungry chimp, and they also didn't show spite by delivering it to the empty room. So they just didn't care. Yeah. What, like, would, what would you do in this uh, scenario? Uh, I don't think I'm. I'm so against food wasting. I think if I couldn't have it, I I would want it to go to that individual. I, I can hard. I, I can have a hard time imagining a situation where I'd send the food to an empty room. Yeah, not to make myself sound like a pious person because I'm certainly not. But I would do the same thing. <laughs> I would rather see the other person eat it. I, I, and almost like on some level, I think that there's a uh, biological satisfaction there. Mm-hmm. 
if well, how, you're not able to eat it? Well, let's throw Everyone always throws off the whole time travel, you know, the, the, the ludicrous time travel thing. Would you go back in time to murder Hitler? Mm-hmm. Which, of course, has all, there's all, there's so many problems with that, that question. Yeah. Uh, but let's put Hitler in this. So, okay. the deep dish pizza is Hitler in the room, and then there's an empty room. Do you, yeah. send, you can't eat the pizza. Do you send it to Hitler and let him eat it, or does it go to the empty room out of spite? Yeah, I'd, I'd still, I'd still give Hitler a pizza. Yeah. I mean, uh, despite what he, <laughs> You know, horrible atrocities he's done. Uh, guy deserves to eat. Yeah, we waste enough food in this country. Right. Yeah. Let, let him eat the pizza, and we'll 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 worry about the other concerns later. So yeah, and this. Uh, but the the interesting thing about the study is that not only does it cast light on spite as his particularly human emotion, but it also makes us consider altruism, which right. which likewise is a trait that's largely attributed to humans. Now, granted, there are some some strong cases to be made for altruism in species such as the dolphin, mm-hmm. but uh, we can only be certain about ourselves. We we are altruistic. We do a, we do a lot to help other people. Uh, but we're also spiteful. So there seems to be this definite connection between the two. Yeah, it certainly seems like a very human practice. Uh, again, like the, the two sides of the altruism spite coin. I mean, I know, I'm sure that there are many pet owners out there right now that are thinking, well, I've had moments where I've been sad or angry or whatever, and my pet has come over and, mm-hmm. and given me attention. Uh, and, and whether they were or not, you know, it felt like they were doing this out of altruism, too, mm-hmm. because they didn't want their owner to be sad. Uh, they wanted to uh, make them happier. Yeah, and of course there have been plenty of studies that, um, or at least, uh, you know, there are plenty of arguments out there that break down altruism and say, well, is anything really altruistic? Are you ever really doing anything right. solely for the good of doing it, or are you at the very least doing it to make yourself feel better? Right, there must be some uh, subjective, su- subjective objective yeah. at hand. And the more you think about altruism and spite and, and then look back on the Dungeons and Dragons uh, um, alignment chart, yeah. it does seem, like, you know, certainly you can say lawful evil is where most of your really spiteful behavior would go. Right. But realistically, you're probably going to see spite pop up in any given uh, alignment, right? Yeah, I mean, right. The D&D chart is always just like a silly way to kind of try to frame the world yeah. into an easily, uh, into nine easy to understand philosophies of life. But yeah, I, I, I can imagine that there's scenarios in which Gandhi probably felt spiteful. Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to have an off day. If Gandhi's in a room and you're in a room mm-hmm. and there's a pizza and you can pull it with a rope, do you give it to Gandhi or do you let it fall into... Uh, the empty room. Oh, uh, well, is Gandhi, is he fasting in this particular scenario? Because then I'd, f- I'd feel like a real oh, yeah. jerk if I sent a pizza to him. Yeah, I would, that's I would true. need to send it to the empty room as much as that would. But I think that it would show his resolve if you sent it to him and he still didn't eat it. Okay, so we're, we're helping him mm-hmm. to, uh, to make his statement. Okay, yeah. well, maybe. So that leads us to this study that was done on the different types of personalities and how they interact with spite, right? Yeah, definitely. And they did not use the Dungeons and Dragons alignment chart, but um, <laughs> that's unfortunate. But but they did uh, they, they did look at, uh, at at a number of individuals and, and try and figure out well who what type of personalities are going to contain the most spite. Mm-hmm. So so this research was conducted by researchers from uh, Washington State University and the University of British Columbia. And uh, they attempted to measure spitefulness with a test similar to those used for personality traits. Right. And they came up with like a scale, right? Like mm-hmm. how they they actually surveyed. So one thing I think is interesting about this, this is this is 
my experience from going to graduate school makes me critical of almost every study. Like, I don't, they, they very much hammered it into our heads that, like, any study you're presented with, find holes in it and immediately oh, yeah. take it apart. And the, the, the thing that I, that first struck me about this was that the people that they surveyed were all at universities. Yeah, this is a problem we, uh, we discussed in, um, an episode from earlier this year uh-huh. about, uh, about your studies. It's so often you're, yeah. you're inevitably dealing with, uh, with a bunch of, uh, you know, waspy college students in these scenarios. Yeah, right? they're they're all I, what this tells us is how spiteful uh, academics and their and their students are, not necessarily what the world is. Right. It's not it's not a general population example here, but they developed this spitefulness scale. They surveyed what 1200 people at two different universities mm-hmm. and it was online, right? Yeah. So they were able to um, get some older participants in as well. Yeah, so maybe try and people, bounce it out a bit. Yeah. yeah. Maybe those people weren't involved with the university. And they, yeah, they, and using this scale, they, um, they graded them how much they agreed with 17 different scenarios, such as, if my neighbor complained that I was playing my music too loud, then I might turn the music up even louder just to irritate him or her, even if it meant I could get fined. So this is, this is mm. actually a, another great spike. This is example. a real world example that I can relate to. Being the neighbor in this situation. Oh yeah, the, the loud neighbor or the, uh, with the thoughtful neighbor. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't call myself either. But uh, I, when I very first moved to Atlanta, there was a person who lived directly below me that played uh, very, very loud dance music all night, uh, and um, you know it was. I think maybe a week went by, and my wife and I were like, "All right, this is this is a little bit much." We thought maybe it was like a one night thing. My wife went downstairs knocked on the door to mm-hmm. to ask this guy if he would uh, turn the music down and he told his dog to sick her. Ah. Yeah. And luckily uh my wife is good with animals so the dog just kind of jumped up and she pet it. But, I love, I maybe she snapped its neck. <laughs> but, you know. My wife is also a lethal <laughs> assassin. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I mean this guy was definitely uh playing his music uh, at us out of spite. I mean even after she had asked. So did then you turn going. up your music to to make his music less enjoyable? I have to admit that there... Yes, this was... Okay, here we go. This is one of my moments where I was spiteful. Yeah. Uh, At the time, I I was playing, because we had just moved here, I was playing all of my music through a 4x12 guitar amp that I had, which is very loud. And yeah, I cranked it up. (laughs) All right, another one on the list, just to give another example... I would rather no one get extra credit in a class if it meant that others would receive more credit than me. That one's strange to me. Yeah. Like that, that one I feel like, because the other example is more like, if you push me, I'm going to push back, right? Right. Even if we yeah. end up both miserable. Like if, if, if one, if I would rather us both be miserable than just me be miserable. Like that, that one I can, yeah. I can see. This one is more like if uh, I refuse to lose. And, yeah. and I don't care what the cost is. It's that competition thing again, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so the results of this test weren't particularly shocking, were they? No. Like they they compared it to uh, other personality tests that marked things like aggression, psychopathy, narcissism, self consciousness, self esteem, and this one I found interesting: Machiavellianism. Yeah. So, how do you measure Machiavellianism? Is one thing I'd like to to learn more <laughs> about. But what surprised me about it as well is that <clears throat> if you are Machiavellian, aren't you uh, by nature inherently uh, manipulating, planning so that you see benefit, so that you win? Well, 
to to go back to Game of Thrones a little bit, uh, Littlefinger, you know, okay. very Machiavellian. Yeah, yeah. Is he ever spiteful? Does he ever do things out of spite? Does he ever include a little spite bonus item in his uh, actions? Oh wow, that's an interesting question, and I don't want to get into too much spoiler territory for people. Although mm-hmm. I mean, it's everywhere at this point. But I, I can't really think of a particular example. Can you? Not offhand. It seems like he's a chess player. That's for sure. It seems like maybe there's some unintentional spite at yeah. times. Like spite is just kind of a, a byproduct. Like I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to play the long game yeah. to get what I want. Yeah. And uh, you're going to lose <laughs> when I win. But is, yeah. But how much? He doesn't necessarily seem to go out of his way to to add extra hurt icing on top of what he does, which is a compliment in the Game of Thrones world. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, we'll, let's go into this for a second. Spoilers for Game of Thrones season one and the first book. Uh, so when he, you know, makes his whole uh, move for power mm-hmm. in that first season, he uh, gets Ned Stark killed. And even though that wasn't his intention, he was spiteful towards Ned Stark because Ned Stark married the woman he wanted to be married to. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So it was, it was a, it didn't hurt him though. So I don't know that it was spite. He won. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't call it spite. Yeah. I don't think it was spite. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I'm sure, uh, somebody out there will, will have an example for us of Littlefinger's spitefulness. I, I, real side note here, uh, I love, uh, over at io9, they have this theory that all of Game of Thrones is just a, a, a chess game between Littlefinger and Varys. <laughs> and that, uh, it's just all about their Machiavellian moves against one another. So, okay. so if there is spite in, 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 uh, in either of their stories, it would somehow impact the others. Now, coming back to this uh, this study, uh, just to, to, to throw out where the spite seemed to pool in the study, uh, they saw most spite in people uh, among people who uh, scored high in psychopathy. Okay, um, those who were particularly callous, unsympathetic, unemotional, uh, and uh, they saw uh, spitefulness was also greater in people who scored high in narcissism and Machiavellianism. So, mm. so that's that's also um, interesting to think about because. If they're unemotional, mm-hmm. um, then what pleasure are they getting out of the spiteful action? Hmm. You know, I wonder if it's people who are like pure, like like maybe we we get into a, uh, kind of a false model with some of these fictional uh, Machiavellian individuals. Like mm. maybe nobody's really that Machiavellian, and it's yeah. more about I I'm spiteful, and if I think about my own spite in a Machiavellian sense, then I'm not being spiteful. Like you're just. Uh, you're you're going to lose against me, and you're going to pay the consequences of that. But but spite is not the spearhead of it on my right. motivation. It's not the it's not the fuel for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's possible. Now, people with lots of guilt scored low. Okay, but those with shame scored higher. So that's interesting to make that distinction distinction because mm-hmm. uh, if if you're guilty, you did something bad. But if you're shameful, you are bad. Uh, in, in terms of how we think about guilt and shame. Yeah, and and this is also the study where it short, they they first came up with the conclusion that men score higher on the spite scale than women, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like how it was phrased here: the dark triad of psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. Yeah, the dark triad. <laughs> so that even though they weren't exactly using uh, the Dungeons and Dragons alignment system, they ended right. up uh, using language that uh, made me think of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then also children 
Well, this is another thing that they found in this study. Children will often pick up on a situation that invites spite, but they won't necessarily act on it, right? But they realize what's going on when they have the opportunity for it. And yet at the uh, same time, they found that older people are less likely to be spiteful than younger people. Hmm. So on the the children's side of it, I I can imagine... It's a lot of it is that you have to you have to learn that spiteful behavior. Like it's one thing to recognize, well, this isn't fair what has happened, mm-hmm. but then to 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 get to that point where you can act act out spitefully because of it. Yeah, that's that's something you have to pick up. So uh, this is uh, all right. This has no basis in the studies that we read for for today's episode, but I'm thinking here that it's possible that spite and maybe also altruism are learned behaviors that have to be modeled, right? And that that is why human beings are more likely to have them uh, than chimpanzees, for instance. The chimps don't have models that are showing them how to be spiteful. Maybe if you showed those chimpanzees uh, the spiteful action of withholding a pizza from Hitler mm-hmm. uh, and then laughed about it with them a couple times, then they would do it. They would be more likely to do it. Yeah, and as, as we'll, we'll discuss uh, in, a, in, the, in the next section, um, it, it seems that, that altruism and spite kind of emerge from a sufficiently complex system, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, that, that maybe it's just a, a situation where like, a chimpanzee intelligence and culture has just not reached the level to where spite and altruism emerge to do battle with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I say, let's avoid the Planet of the Apes scenario. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't want a you know, or rather, what the dawn of the Planet of the Apes scenario? Not, not, not the first one with Charlton Heston, but the more recent ones. You know, I don't want to teach these animals our our failings. Yeah, well, and I don't want to see them ride around on horses either. No, yeah. or shoot me. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Ever tried to tackle a home improvement project without making 10 trips to Home Depot? What if I told you there's a way to earn cash back while you shop? Introducing Drop, the ultimate rewards app. With Drop, you can earn free gift cards by shopping in-store or online at Home Depot and tons of other stores. Download the Drop app today and use code DROP33 to get an instant $5 in points. That's Drop, your go-to for shopping rewards. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Remember when you first saw the potential, and then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a hundred thousand miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. All right, so the next uh, bit of research we looked at, this is uh, this came from uh, Patrick Forber of Tufts University and Roy Smead of, of Northeastern, and they applied game theory to the study of spite, designing a cube computer model of virtual players, challenging each other to a single round of the ultimatum game. Okay, well, as somebody who has played uh, MMORPGs before, or really any online gaming system, I'm going to imagine that they found that spite was... Uh, pretty heavily dominant within a, a gaming community. Are there spiteful gamers? Oh God, it feels <laughs> like it when you're playing it. Yeah. yeah, the 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 people who um, I don't forget what it's called. It's like they jump up and down on your corpse after they've killed you. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> I guess that's not spiteful. They're not hurting themselves, but yeah, people will certainly do like a well. That's the thing about anything online, right? Is you mm-hmm. have a lot of of room to be spiteful without having to pay the cost of the spite. Right? That is absolutely true, right? Yeah. So that's probably something we should keep in mind with the results of this study. Um, uh, another spiteful gaming thing, I guess, uh, rage quitting is probably mm-hmm. spiteful behavior. Yes, you know, I've seen that. to lose gracefully. I'm going to just leave the game. You don't get the like the point or whatever for your victory, yeah. but I don't have to sit here and watch you, you know, victorious over me. Yeah, the classic... Uh... <laughs> Do you know who Leroy Jenkins is? Oh, wait, I've heard the name. So there is this. This is a nerdy World of Warcraft thing from probably the mid-2000s. Uh-huh. He was uh, uh, he was made famous for this thing. Somebody recorded it. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, his name was Leroy Jenkins. He was part of a raid group that was playing World of Warcraft. And uh, rather than you know, let his team win. He ran in 
uh, and purposely sabotaged the team's efforts to conquer this dungeon and got them all killed and uh, is, is known for yelling out his name as he did it. He says, <laughs> Leroy Jenkins and runs into this thing and kills everybody and you can hear all these guys over their little headsets getting angry at him for ruining their game. Alright, well that's 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 pretty spectacularly spiteful. Yeah, the like Leroy that. Jenkins spite model. So, ultimatum game. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the way this plays out, according to the rules, player A decides how a pot of money is going to be shared with player B. Okay. Half and half. Say 80% for A and 20% for B. If B consented to the split, both received the agreed-upon portion. But if B rejected the offer, neither player received anything. Okay. So uh, I could say 99% goes to me and 1% goes to you. And you would get that 1% if you agreed to it, or you would get nothing. And yeah. I would get nothing if you did not agree to it. Yeah, it's kind of like a test of sort of, of ego, but also trust. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, after they uh, they carried out this game, the researchers then allowed the players to form into mock societies. And this is where it gets really interesting. Yeah, this is like Model UN here. Yeah, so the different sort of type individuals, uh, you know, assembling into these groups. Groups that work uh, full of excessively spiteful or selfish players mm-hmm. quickly collapse. So you okay. just have like a yeah. bunch of like the worst gamers in the world. The Imagine trying to run a society together. It just completely falls apart because there's yeah. no structure there. Everybody's a massive jerk. Yeah, it's and, like a trolling community. Yeah, the trolling yeah. community is just going to be like cannibalism and madness within <laughs> an hour, right? Yeah, yeah. Likewise, you would have these rigidly fair-minded societies, and these work okay until you end up with one uh, selfish invader, and they just tear the whole thing apart. Really? Okay. That's interesting. So just one person, one or two, can uh, destabilize the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you know, one Morlock wanders in your peaceful (laughs) uh, village and and just rips everything to shreds, falls apart. Okay. All right. And then they found uh, that flexible sharers, though, right, they were able to coexist with spiteful people? Yeah, this is where we see the, this interesting balance of altruism and spite. Uh, because the, the presence of spiteful individuals actually enhanced the rate of fair exchanges among the non-spiteful. So they kind of end up balancing each other out. Yeah, so just the fact... But this it, this requires your you know community of, of people to be what we call flexible sharers here, mm-hmm. right? Um, they... they it, by there being spiteful people there, it inherently teaches them to be more altruistic. So again, this is like modeled behavior, even if it's like a almost uh, like a um, reverse psychology. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Patrick Forber um, in the uh, the study, he said it could be that Nietzsche was right about punishment that it originated as spite and only later was turned into a mechanism for maintaining fairness and justice. Mm-hmm. This uh, uh, podcast is is not the place for us to dive deep into this, but it also reminds me of the, the punishment theories of Michel Foucault, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which I believe you know he was influenced by Nietzsche in that respect. So, yeah, punishment and altruism are all connected together. Yeah, I mean, it really gets into the question of what is what is a punishment for a crime? Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to just actually right. just drive home some sort of spiteful punishment into the individual? Are you trying to make a corrective action on society, make an example, deterrence. help that person? Yeah, is it a right. deterrence? Is it punishment? Is it rehabilitation? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then 
whatever it is now, what did it evolve from? Yeah, yeah. rehabilitation would be seen as the altruistic version of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And pun- whereas just pure punishment would be more on the spiteful end. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the authors of that study also pointed out that this would make sense too, uh, this balance that ends up being maintained, because you're, it's not only the, the lawful individuals in the society, the good people, yeah. non-cheaters, that are going to contribute to the rule of law, but... Uh, the cheaters are also going to, because the rule breakers also have a vested interest in punishing other rule breakers. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah it's right. like the whole scenario when you have, um, you know, gangsters take over a neighborhood in some sort of, you know, like a godfather type scenario. They're going to cut down on the crime in their turf so that they can carry out their crime. Yeah, I remember reading that in one of these articles. Mm-hmm. They were they, That was their example, was that, like, the mafia is known for for protecting the neighborhood at the same time that it's criminalizing it. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, there's two researchers involved in this study, uh, D.B. Krupp and Peter Taylor. Uh, and it looks like what they did was they developed a new theoretical model of spite, like how we understand spite, right? And like yeah. how individuals enact it. Yeah, and their, their key findings were that, were that, first of all, individuals who appear very different from most others in a group will evolve to be altruistic towards similar partners and only slightful, slightly spiteful to those who are dissimilar to them. So, okay. so we're talking about like an outsider scenario here. Yeah. Right? Like I instantly think of like a high school, junior yeah. high scenario, you know, so it's like you have the, like the cool kids and the jock kids and the kids mm-hmm. who fit into, to larger, um, more accepted groups. Yeah. Okay. And then you have, you know, the, the, the geekier crew, you know, right. uh, that, that I was definitely a part of. So Me in this, too. <laughs> So in this scenario, me and you at the geeky table, yeah. we're going to be, we're going to have a lot of altruism towards each other, right? And we're right. going to have maybe a little bit of spite towards the folks at the jock table, mm-hmm. but not a lot. We're not going out of our way to, um, you know, put things in their their lunch trays or yeah. whatever. Well, this, what what I find fascinating about this aspect of the study, and there's more to it, is it, it sort of um, debunks common thinking psychology about incidents like the Columbine shootings, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea that they were spiteful. They were outsiders who were enacting their spite upon the community that they felt like they didn't belong to. Right. Hmm. So the second part might play into that a little more. Yeah, the second part is that individuals who appear very similar to the rest of the group, in other words, the, the people at the jock table, etc., the, okay. the, the, the main population members, they will evolve to be only slightly altruistic to similar partners, okay. but very spiteful to dissimilar individuals. And they may even go out of their way to hurt them. So in this scenario... So that explains all the times that I got beat up in high school? That would, yeah, that would, that would fall under this because okay. you have the, the main population is going to go out of their way to be spiteful and even hurt individuals that, that, that look out of place. Okay. But on the other side, they're only being marginally <laughs> altruistic to even their, their, yeah. their own kind. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, uh, that's interesting. So this seems to connect to that, um, sort of basic psychological, uh, understanding of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know what I'm talking about? That, like, uh, pyramid of, there are, are various needs that we as human beings have to fulfill before we can sort of, uh, get to a point of self-actualization, mm-hmm. right? And this seems very connected to the Maslow's idea of belonging, right? That, like, if you feel like you belong to a group, and that group is, an outsider group, then you're more likely to to care for them, to be altruistic to them. Uh, but if your group is 
if you belong to a group that is, uh, I guess, more or less p- popularized, mm-hmm. um, you're less likely to feel that way. Yeah, and I could also see where there's 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 more of a necessity for that altruism in that outsider group because you need each other more. For right, survival. it's a survival tactic. Yeah, whereas if you're just one of the larger dominant power structure, you know what? Uh, it's just not as necessary. Mm. It's mm-hmm. more spread out, even I guess. So it's certainly, you know, I remarked, I, by the way, I didn't get beat up that much in high school, but uh, I, I remarked that it ex- explains schoolyard bullying, which we have down here, but it also ex- explains things like racism and prejudice, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely you can you can take this study and apply it to just about any scenario where one group is uh, is being spiteful to a small another smaller group or, or even uh, look at, you know, some of your more... Some of your examples of just really altruistic individuals and their potential outsider status, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about it. Like, who's who's weirder on the street? The guy who's walking around just being really nice to everybody, or the guy right. who's walking around scowling? Like, that's, like sadly, we often think it's the <laughs> the nice individual. Like, what is what's going on with that yeah. person? What's their game? Yeah, the the, the dude that's just being uh, spiteful. You know, he's just another grumpy individual walking around the city. All right. So things I've learned about myself in this episode are that even though I'm the guy in the street scowling, I'm more likely to give a pizza to somebody if I won't get a pizza myself. Right. Provided they seem to be a member of your group. Yeah. And are not Adolf Hitler. Okay. Or no, well, you I would, would get it that. I'd like. still give Hitler a pizza. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'd be more likely to give, uh, you know, one of our listeners a pizza. Yeah. This uh, research really had me pausing to think a lot about my actions and, and some of the, the things that I've done that I've, I can look back on and say, well, there's a bit of spite in doing that. Or, or yeah. at times I'll sort of, I'll, I'll catch myself engaging in sort of fantasy spite, you know, where I sure. imagine myself being spiteful, but I don't actually do it because, because the cost is too high. You yeah. know, I would look like a jerk or I would just feel like a massive jerk if I did that. And I can get the same sort of momentary, Satisfaction by just imagining that I did it. That's a that, that makes it a uniquely human thing as well, probably right. Yeah. That we can vicariously uh, live out the the pleasure of spite in our imaginations. Yeah, like to go back to that chimp scenario. If we we're mm-hmm. in that, you know, we can sit there and we we can we could think to ourselves, you know, Hitler, I could just send that pizza to an empty room and you would totally deserve it. But me. Yeah. I'm a really nice guy, and I'm going to send you that pizza anyway. And then you high-five yourself, and you walk off and probably buy pizza somewhere. Well, so I want to know, uh, you know, this obviously brought up some issues for for both of us, uh, thinking about how we've been spiteful in the past, or maybe altruistic as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious uh, from our listeners, you know, do you feel that these studies line up with your experiences of spite in your life or possibly altruism? Would you give Hitler the pizza? Or Gandhi, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, let us know. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr, and we're below the mind on all those platforms. Or you can reach out to us on the mothership, which is stufftoblowyourmind.com. That's right. You'll find all the podcast episodes there, all the blog posts, all the videos, links out to social media accounts, you name it. And... Please let us know about your experiences with Spite and whether they lined up with what we talked about today by writing to us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Mm-hmm. 
Is getting gas at Chevron burning a hole in your wallet? Get the Drop app. With Drop, you can earn free gift cards just by filling up your tank. Download Drop now. Use code DROP77 to instantly receive $5 in points. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.